What's up, Freaks? Welcome to the Freaks Podcast, presented by the Prague Space. Thanks for the intro, Maya. Today, Dario and I are going to talk about a couple of new music videos that are out, singles for some upcoming releases, as well as give an homage to one of the great singers that we lost a year ago, Mr. Warl Dane. If you want to hear a playlist of the songs we talked about in today's episode, head over to Spotify and search for the Prague Spaces playlist for the Progcast Episode 3. What's up, freaks? Welcome to the Freaks Progcast, presented by the Prog Space. It's Randy from Freaks TV and Dario from the Prog Space. Back in action. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Dario. Happy New Year, Randy. We actually haven't seen each other since we recorded the last episode, I That's think. That's right. So here we are again back in the Moonbase studios to do another episode. And first topic is what's hot. We're sitting here watching some of the latest videos that have come out, and we're going to talk about them after we've seen them. So first up, Evergrey. Weightless. Well, I didn't think the song was weightless. It was heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. It was quite heavy, and um, the main riff was surprisingly modern, uh, very heavy, uh, deep and heavy sounding, surprisingly modern, almost genty, which I didn't expect. Um, the main takeaway I have from just the song, just the music, um, the chorus didn't stand out too much from the first listen, but I thought the downbreak in the middle, like, like, and the building, building it up again was nicely done. I think the chorus will grow on you, actually, because so I've been listening to the two songs that they released. So the first track of the album, which is called... Nice. Sorry, uh, I don't remember. We'll plug that in later. A Silent Arc. We, we're missing our uh, Kai today. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing our, the research. Uh, our DJ, yeah. We're, doing it. <laughs> we're, we're flying solo. Duo solo. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the first song and, and now the second song is Weightless and, you know, playing them back to back. I've been listening to those two a lot in the last week or so since they released the, the new single. And that chorus does grow on you. And it really fits to the first song's chorus. I mean, they're... They have this like emotional turns that he the way he sings is like okay yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to to hearing that and and to let it grow on me um, thinking back to the storm within yeah the album had a, like like a real really beautiful flow the songs how they were coming after each other like especially the the second half or the last mm. four songs starting with I think the lonely monarch. And and the last four songs were just so perfect following each other. So I'm reserving my verdict yeah. until after I have listened to the whole album. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is uh, the same for another band that's been releasing a few singles uh, lately too, which I think we're going to probably talk about in a second. But um, Probably. Yeah. I mean, but I can say that from the first two tracks, I already hear that like emotional flow that that they that they do, and uh, I'm pretty excited. I have to say about the album. Yeah, uh, the album is called The Atlantic, and it comes out January 25th. Yeah, uh, AFM Records. Pretty soon, so yeah. I guess uh, me and you will be talking about it pretty soon, and maybe we can do a special somebody progged in here segment just on Evergrey when it comes out. Yeah, wow. Uh, we just watched the new video from progressive rock supergroup of sorts, Ork. Neil to nothing. Featuring um, Pat Mastelotto on drums from King Crimson, Colin Edwin from Porcupine Tree on bass, guitar. Great bass lines. Yeah, beautiful as always, really tasteful. And then we have the two Italian guys left on vocals and Carmelo Pipitone on the guitars. And man, Neil to nothing. That was a heavy trip. What a video too. I mean, it's like yeah. so uh, bizarre. We, 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 had, we had the Evergrey weightless video and that was just like your usual Patrick Uleos, a band plays in, in super slow motion in the factory and fire, fire, and that was good looking as always. But yeah. uh, Slick. Th- there was something totally different here. From left, the singer of Orc did the animation for this video. Actually, I would just say from the from the Evergrey thing because I haven't seen the video. I hadn't seen the video, but I've been listening to the song. 
for me, the emotion of the song kind of goes away when you watch the video because it's just about um, looking cool and playing metal and video, yeah. which a lot of videos are. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I've seen this before. And I mean, yeah, budgets are what they are and you can't always make the coolest video ever. But um, for me, that song stands on its own without a, without a video. And now this song um, from Orc with this whole crazy cell phone war i don't know what's happening <laughs> but it's pretty powerfully powerful emotionally i mean just yeah. the vocals and the and the crescendo towards the end when it just like kind of goes nuts and he's yeah um left doing his thing from from the song structure um i mean as we said the the groove is is beautiful i mean those those two guys are masters i mean pat masalotto and and colin edwin it's just just a beautiful groove where the other two guys can like layer their magic on top and like probably not a lot of people know this band but they should be more well known i guess they're they're coming on tour actually with oh. the pineapple thief oh okay yeah, perfect do, yeah yeah and they're doing some solo uh, some some headline shows in on the day offs as well uh, so in Munich, I think it's going to be them headlining. Yeah, what does Orc sound like? Orc sound like, for me, it is it is progressive rock, but they have this slight industrial and avant-garde feeling, only, only a little touch of it that make, make them make me feel uneasy a little bit hmm. but I, I, yeah. that, that's that's this industrial avant-garde um, influence that's like it's not feel good progressive rock yeah they, they, they yeah. have they, they clearly have a message they have certainly a unique sound and probably my favorite part of the song is the I, I think it's after the chorus, the the bridge where it where where they they have this uh, there's there's one one bar is like shortened and then they the suddenly the the downbeat at one like earlier than you'd expect. I missed it. This was my first hearing, so I, <laughs> I'm not, I haven't progged out on this one just as much as you have, I think. But yeah, I've been listening to it a lot because I because I like it. I think it's a really great song. Um, I have to admit, I kind of missed their their second album. I, I've seen them live with the first album, and mm. this is going to be the third album, Ramage Head, which is going to come out on February 22nd uh, through K-Scope. Uh, okay, I mean, and Prestige, Prague label, yeah, to uh, boot. Absolutely. It's funny when you mentioned um, avant-garde. Yeah, there's... For me, I always think when there's like these like kind of, I don't know if you, if you, these like counter melodies that are like flowing around in the background and then the vocals do something similar, but in like a different direction. Do you remember this band from maybe Denmark called Behind the Curtain? Mm, no. Okay. No, you, you, you did it. You outprogged me. I outprogged you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Behind yeah. the curtain. Behind oh. the curtain, and I want to say they even released their one album. If they made more than that, I don't know. But uh, on Sensory. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. So um, I'll I'll show you after the show is over, and we can talk about. Uh, but they also have this like very odd avant-garde, not feel good, but uh, but it kind of comes in and out. You know, you kind of had these melodies, and then yeah. this kind of weirdness, and then it comes back. And I always liked them, although they're quite strange, but. I mean, Kneel to Nothing is a catchy song, yeah. but still it, goes, it, it, it has a certain heaviness to it, even though for the most part the guitars are not really heavily distorted. Yeah. The heaviness comes from yeah. different sources. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Such as the vocals from Lef, for example. Which are amazing. I, yeah. I didn't really know him before, and after hearing this track in full together with you, I... I'm quite interested now. Is this the first single that was released? Yes, it is okay. the first single for for the album Ramachat, the third uh, the third album. And yeah, thinking back to the the one time I've seen them live, 
he is also pretty impressive live. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to seeing them again. What's next? Next we have Dream Theater. Fall into the light. Dario, <laughs> you first. <laughs> okay, we just had a little fun watching Dream Theater's Fall into the Light video. And the official animation video. Official animation video. Wow, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay, first of all, I, I love the song. I already like both the songs that have come out uh, that have been released. Um, but this, this, the video is like, I mean, I, I, I didn't need the video. It's kind of like, um, it, it feels a little bit like it's the background video for the live concert or something because there's not even lyrics on the screen or anything. So Yeah. And there's like a clock and a plane and um, skull. Some, some some rocks and some water. Yeah, water, <laughs> like Antarctica, water. I mean, he says water in the lyrics at one point, so maybe that was the connection. <laughs> but I, I, I don't really understand what the video does except for as a, like, and putting it on YouTube needed some kind of background or something. And But cool song. So, anyway. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the song a little yeah. bit. Um, I have to admit, I really like the the melody, and and I like James' voice. Yeah, like not trying to sing that high and stuff. I, I really like like these these kind of melodies uh, from him, and I just had the feeling it was like the last, like after the proggy part, the turnaround back to one last chorus felt a little bit unmotivated to me but mm. it could change with with more listens i don't know it could have been also that you were watching the video and they went back to the antarctica flying over the I, water I, I don't know it, it just felt like okay now now we have this after the proggy part we have to put in another part to somehow get back to one last chorus yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue for either way. I think this is a kind of a classic dream theater thing, like to always have like this the the long extended middle part, and then to to always end somehow. Remember when Black Clouds and Silver Linings came out? I think one of the first singles was the the one about the Masons. Um, everybody knows I'm bad with song names here, but um, a rite of passage. And this also has like this like really fast like crazy section and then actually jordan plays a really wild keyboard solo at the very end and then it almost feels like it gets cut off so that it can get back to the chorus and i remember when that came out that's what everybody says like why okay. did they do that why did they like yeah. cut off the keyboard solo to get back to the chorus and the, the, I, I the, think the, it's a cl classic dream theater thing don't, don't ask me anything uh anything post-systematic chaos Oh, okay. <laughs> Even though the middle part or, or the the solo part or whatever was yeah. not really like dream theaterish proggy in the Evergrey song we listened to earlier in Weightless, but I also had the feeling that after the, the I really loved the after the breakdown I loved how they built it up again, um, but then okay there was the chorus again, but well in both songs actually weightless from evergrey and fall into the light from dream theater i didn't have the connection f into the last chorus from the part before uh-huh yeah mm -hmm. that's what i got from the first one two <laughs> listens let's Good. leave it like that and but also with the new dream theater album i'm um looking forward to to hearing the full thing and see if i like it better than the last Three or four. <laughs> we we shall see. We shall see. Moving on, what's next? Mother of Millions, Amber. Uh, I mean, I love the music. This is a problem for me whenever I watch music videos is that they, they cloud like the great music, you know, like the videos. I can see that they put a lot of effort into this and they were going for for something artistic with the video. And it's nicer than some... I didn't need the band to be in it, you know, like it's kind of yeah. like I was great watching the suspense between these two performers in a dark room. And I was hoping that was going to turn into like a dance or some yeah. kind of like theatrical, you know, play in the space and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, okay, now, now we have to show the band. <sighs> this is, but that's just me being like film director, music video director. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody loves the video. But I, I love the music. It kind of reminds me, it's got this sort of modern 
you know, like, like Vola or, um, I even think of Good Tiger or, um, Port Noir, this sort of mm-hmm. like cool modern sound prog thing. Yeah. Um, Mother of Millions was my favorite discovery of 2017 uh, with their, yeah. with their second album, uh, Sigma. With the pink, uh, yeah. f- the lady with the pink yeah. face. Yeah, yeah, this is a great album cover, yeah. Yeah, and it was a brilliant album. It kind of, mm, it managed to get me into the more post-rocky guitar sounds. Yeah. I was I was not too fond of them before, and but I love the album. It's so beautiful, and it's got the amazingly powerful vocals of uh, George Procopio on... On vocals. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> he also sings for his own band, Poem. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Poem too. So Yeah, great band, uh, great song, and the new album, their third album, Artifacts, is scheduled for release somewhere in March yeah, through cool. Vici Solum Productions. Hopefully on my birthday on March 15th. That'd be great, guys. Thanks. Yeah. I really look forward to the album because I really, I mean, I like Poem and I did check out their 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 last album because of your top albums of 2017, I think. Um, a little tip That's of the nice. hat to you. Um, but but definitely with this song, I, I'm, I'm super excited to, to, to dig into the more and then probably go back to that album after I hear this. I feel like now yeah. I've found my way in. Cool. Yeah. What's next? Now we have one more video. Ginger Perennial, new album, uh, new uh, uh, single from their EP that's already been released, right? New yes. video. Um, Ginger from Ukraine, the new EP Micro was released on January 11th uh, on Napalm Records. And boy, do these Ukrainians groove like hell. Yeah. That's crazy. I've seen them on Summer Breeze, at Summer Breeze, yep. last year. And it was amazing. Currently on tour with... Soil work and amorphous. I started listening to the the EP over the weekend and listened to it maybe two times through. It's it's fantastic. I really liked them. I discovered them last year because of this one video that they brought out that everybody started to see all of a sudden. Uh, um, Pisces. Pisces, yeah. And they're on a really good way to becoming as big as amorphous and soil work. Yeah, definitely. So. They, they've got a momentum going and they've, they've got a cool, uh, modern, unique sound, which is great. Absolutely. Um, yeah, great band, Ginger. And, and one little little shout out to the video. I, yeah. I like the uh, zombie arm coming out of the ground to play bass one more yeah, time. Yeah, that, that was, was <laughs> great touch. <laughs> that was it for What's Hot Today. Uh, for this episode, we had a couple of videos. Just one last shout out to Kadinja from France. They released their new album Super 90 this last Friday, January 18th. Check them out if you're into uh, super heavy technical gent. They're awesome. All right. And coming up, we're going to do our Somebody Progged in Here episode. I actually came up with this idea because I was looking through my list of albums, of 2018 albums. I wanted to listen to, but I didn't somehow. So, yeah. and then it popped into my mind damn, how could I have missed listening to the posthumous Walter Dane solo album, Shadow Work? And I listened to it and I was almost in tears because it was so amazing. I, I really thought it was so great and like great testimony to, to great artistic, uh, amazing artistic life and, and amazing output. So, we're going to talk a little bit about Warl Dane's uh, legacy. Coming up on the podcast. See you in a minute. All right, welcome back to the podcast with me and Dario from the Prague Space. Today we're going to talk about one of the heroes of the metal scene that we lost one year and one month ago. Uh, one of the one of the great modern metal singers, Mr. Warrell Dane. 
Waraldane to me was not only a unique uh, vocalist, but also one of the most uh, interesting and like deep lyricists. So I I admired him for his poetry actually for his mm. lyrics being so poetic like really dark stuff of course we're going to touch on a few subjects he he wrote frequently about but always with with such a playful like like he he knew his way with words he was he for me he was a gr he was a great poet like you would say um one of his heroes i guess was jim morrison from the doors Hmm. And they also did uh, a cover of a Doors song um, on the Obsidian Conspiracy on the last Nevermore album. That was Crystal Ship. His voice was always filled with so much emotion. He could could put so so much anger into his voice, but still being melodic and have a kind of operatic touch. That was Warl Dane, and, and he's got quite the legacy with the Nevermore and Sanctuary albums, and now also two solo albums, because I, as I said before, they put out the last, the, the second solo album, they released it posthumously, uh, because he died actually while working on it with his solo band in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, where do we start? Should we just start at the beginning and, and make, make our way chronologically? Yeah, I mean, I guess I could start by saying how I first discovered his mm -hmm. music. And uh, that would have been way back in like 1994. Um, I was living in Würzburg, Germany, because my mom was stationed in the army there. So South Carolina boy was like living over in Germany during high school. And one of the one of the friends I made, um, a GI, uh, a, a military guy, also a young guy, um, him and I were like playing in a band together and stuff. And he turned me on to a lot of metal bands that he was listening to, like Napalm Death and bands like Sanctuary. And I remember that um, Into the Mirror Black was something we played a lot in the background while we were like playing AD&D and other stuff and getting influence for our own band. Funny little side note, the guy that told me that, uh, about the band, the, 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 guy, the friend who introduced me, claimed to have been in the band. <laughs> and this was pre-internet, so I couldn't really follow up on the fact, but I, I have a feeling it wasn't actually true, but... Nevertheless, uh, whether it was a lie or not, it led me to Warl Dane and Into the Mirror Black was the first thing I heard from him. And I was just blown away by that voice, how unusual and beautiful and emotional it was. And back then it was quite high. <laughs> he sang quite high. So Yeah, he did. Um, I'm, I have to admit I'm not that familiar with the Sanctuary albums. I did listen to them. A couple of times, but I don't know them by heart as I do with, with most most Nevermore albums. But preparing for this episode, I had a look again at some lyrics and the opening track for this second Sanctuary album, Into the Mirror Break, is Future Tense. And a lot of friends of mine told me that this is the classic Sanctuary track for them. And I, and I had a look at the lyrics and I, and I was like, Wow, this is this was written in 1990. I think he he even mentions what will the 90s be like. Past tense to future tense, let history unfold. So ends a decade. Now, what will the 90s hold? You know, we are verging on the edge of an age. Then another century will turn the page. And I'm not sure really if the page was turned or if it was just going on like that. You know what I mean? Uh, because the very first lines is, what do you see on the news when you watch TV? War in the name of God or a playground killing spree? That was mm -hmm. 1990 and it still rings so true, yeah. sadly. Which I, is, I don't know, was it prophetic or it was? it's just the way the world goes that it... Yeah, but even the playground killing spree, I mean, this is this is six years before Columbine, at least long time before the Sandy Hook massacre with the children at the elementary school. And 
I mean, I don't recall schoolyard massacres <laughs> occurring. I think Columbine was the first of its kind in, in like in a big way where you yeah. had multiple, you know, more than three or four people that died. So, yeah, well, I never, I never thought about that, Dario. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Yeah, what I found that he was mostly either uh, commenting on the on the state of the world, how he saw it, or he was uh, touching on 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 personal matters of his like his state mm -hmm. of mind, which was often not in a good place. But before I get more into that, or before I say anything else, I, I just want to put out a little disclaimer. Like, of course, everything we interpret into the lyrics it's it's yeah. our interpretation it's our interpretation i heard uh, rick rubin in a podcast recently um and he was saying that like when when you make an album it's like it's like a diary of the artist at that time so i think with a lot of his personal stuff he was probably writing about things that he was dealing with at that time but then the 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 listener also i think as we'll go along well we can share like our own personal takes on the albums but the albums also reach us as a listener as an audience at certain times in our lives and then we make connections to to those to those things in in our own way so it's like the two lives of the art yeah so after the sanctuary uh two sanctuary albums um which was way before my time i have to admit um and i i don't know um how the how how the change happened that that sanctuary split up and never more was formed with Warl Dane took Jim, Jim Shepard, Shepard the bass player and Van Williams on drums and especially Jeff Loomis on yeah. guitars joined and then was the start of Nevermore I could actually make a little personal uh because I was a fan of Sanctuary before or or at least at the time probably of when Nevermore was forming because uh, Into the Mirror Black, I think it's from 92, actually. As far as I know, it was 1990. 1990? Right. Yeah. So when I was listening to it four years later, Nevermore was definitely already working. So I, you know, as I'm discovering Sanctuary, Nevermore is happening. And I got a book at around 1995, 96, was The Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal from Martin Popoff. The writer who has done a lot of work with Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles, the Canadian um, metal magazine, which is now just called Brave Words. He's wrote, written a number of like sort of encyclopedias on metal. And this collector's guide to heavy metal was like basically short reviews of loads of albums. And inside the book was a Century Media CD sampler, like on the back. And it was all, for me, it was all new bands that I hadn't heard of, like Sentenced and Samael and Tiamat and uh, just like loads of classic Century Media bands. And Nevermore was one of them. And this is already with Politics of Ecstasy. Okay. And I was listening through it and I remember being in the car listening to it on a CD player. And all of a sudden, the 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 track from Politics of Ecstasy, the um, I think it's the second track, uh... And of course, I can't remember the name of the song. The Sacrament. But it comes with that riff. <laughs> so, um, and then as soon as the vocalist started, I was like, wait a minute. I know the vocalist. I know that guy. You know, I never heard of Nevermore. I didn't know what it was. But but then I heard the vocals and I said, that, that can only be one person. And then I explored a little bit further and found out that, in fact, it was World Dane from Sanctuary. And that's where I picked up on the Nevermore journey was already with the release of Politics of Ecstasy. So I guess that was, did you write it down, maybe 96? Yes, that's correct. Ah, okay. Yeah, good. So Politics of Ecstasy and the In, in Memory EP was 1996, the Nevermore self-titled album in 1995. And I have to admit here, with Nevermore, it was certainly the point for me. I started actually listening to them when... Enemies of Reality came out in 2003, oh, wow. and I made my way back to two albums, Dead Heart in the Dead World and Dreaming Neon Black, 
all all in progress radio but i never got around to actually listening to the first two albums and the and the in memory ep so i don't have really much to say about them other than i i, I checked a little bit out and of course i i, I had look into the lyrics and it was uh same same with sanctuary it was already uh, pretty obvious his main themes were like as i see it mm, depression like a personal um thing and uh war and all these uh negative things happening uh, on our globe uh, involving humans also um psychedelics are play a big role i think in the first two That's albums true. there's one song about timothy leary absolutely uh, and then the politics of ecstasy which by the way, is fucking awesome. I mean, this is like w one of the best albums from the 90s, hands down. Politics of Ecstasy also deals a lot with, with drugs. And, 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 and it's funny because it's, there's always with his, with especially with Nevermore, there's always this like drug thing. And then it kind of turns into this mind control thing. And then, you know, into this sort of fascism and like authoritarianism, yeah. you know, and, and, and then back to the drugs, which like free your mind. So it's always like this personal freedom versus like big world, you know, oppression. As, as examples, I, I, I found uh, the first track on in memory EP is like optimist or pessimist, which is, uh, which are great lyrics as well. Yeah. And on the the politics of ecstasy, there was also a song about the massacre on Tiananmen Square. That's right. So, yeah, th there was always this uh, side of this uh, commentary on what what was going on in the world. Even even though it's, it, there's a lot of darkness, the song "Optimist or Pessimist" stands a little bit out because. When you when you read the lyrics, it, what am I supposed to be? Yeah, like, this is one of the last uh, lines: optimist or pessimist? What am I supposed to be? And I think that's. And I'll like, I'll play the optimist again, and I wouldn't wouldn't yeah. have expected it from uh, from yeah. him to end it on 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 that note. Whereas, dreaming neon black was really dark. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you have the the like the war theme and deconstruction, and the title track. Yeah. Really, really haunting uh, with a with a, a twelve string intro. It it, it says depression <laughs> to me. Uh, yeah, I mean the story of the album is uh, it's sort of concept, right? And it's like a man who loses his wife and or loses his love, the love of his life, and then like falls into this abyss of despair and then insanity. And then this album, I I mean I re I remember when this album came out and it's just like blew my mind because it was after politics of ecstasy and i also had like you know some like relationship struggles then and some like self like introspection and looking where i'm doing and and some you know not depression but mm -hmm. like feeling down and like and and this album was like definitely like perfect timing and and just on the production side i know this isn't really like a nevermore talk but um this was the last album with Neil Kernan as producer. Uh, and I think after this album, their sound qu quite changed. Um, they had like this sort of wall of sound, Neil Kernan production from the demo onwards, or the demo, sorry, the first album. Yeah. Technically, from what I remember, is actually just the demo. Oh, okay. Well. And Neil discovered the band and said, let's just mix this demo and release it as the album. Um, I remember reading this some time ago. Maybe I'm I'm wrong about that fact, but then, pretty much until uh, Dreaming Neon Black, Neil Kernan was their producer, and I think the wall of sound he achieved like in the biggest way on Dreaming Neon Black, and then afterwards they had I think Andy Sneap did the follow up with Dead Heart in a Dead World, and then they really, for me, they got like a bit more modern and. Um, slick and yeah i guess modern sounding and less experimental in that way and yeah. the songs are a bit more straightforward at least for two albums <laughs> yeah um dead heart and dead world just like dreaming neon black i think um metal classic we can say um 
actually I saw Worrell performing the album in its entirety just like two years ago with a solo band here in Munich and well I have to admit he looked really done he looked mm. wasted like his he was marked like, like from from his years of drug abuse and I mean the the voice was still there but I actually had the I was I, I couldn't look at the stage for the first half of the the for, for the first half of an hour because uh, I I had I was fearing he was he would be falling over every any second hmm. so I just closed my eyes and his voice was still there magically and he, he couldn't remember any of the lyrics I mean in comparison <clears throat> it's kind of funny because the first time I saw him live was also Dead Heart in a Dead World, but it was when the album came out and they were on tour with Opeth and oh, wow. Opeth had released Blackwater Park. Fucking hell. What's yeah. that? And I <laughs> saw them at um, the, 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 the now defunct Lamore uh, Rock Club in Brooklyn, New York. And I mean, it was amazing. And it was actually uh, the support band was Angel Dust from Germany. Oh, wow. That's funny. So... And I remember that Warrell didn't look that great when I saw him. And I had remembered reading something like, oh, he had been sick or something with something bad. And I thought, did he have cancer or something? But who knows? Who, who knows? Know, who knows why that would happen? But he but he didn't look well. And I remember thinking that to myself when they were playing. I mean, it was a great show and stuff. But already back then, which would have been the year 2001, Summer of 2001, probably. Or 2000. Well, the, the album came out in 2000, maybe late 2000, and then it would be, the tour would be, would have been in summer. It was, yeah. So I, I definitely saw them around May of 2001. Yeah. Before we go to Enemies of Reality, ah. which is, uh, which was the first album I heard from them, or and I loved, and I, bought, I, I went out and bought it immediately. Um... I want to put out some quotes from, from Dead Heart and Dead World. Opening track, We Disintegrate. I am the poet, the prophet in the pit, like a hollow point bullet straight to the head. I never miss you. So there he says it. He he is the poet. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I think he, he was... I think he was aware that he, was, he, he had a way with words. And, and then later on in Engines of Hate... Can I be your personal demon? Sit back, absorb the words, and feast on my mind's semen. Can I be the devil on your shoulder? We all fall down as the world gets colder. I uncreate, I desecrate, I spit the truth into the engines of hate. There you go. Um, Another note about this album is a long time before Disturbed brought out their top 40... We have, we have uh, to talk about this Sound cover of Silence. Yeah, they covered Sound of Silence in the most metal way possible. And it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's uh, in my book, it's one of the, the, if not the best cover ever made. Because it's, it made, they made the song their own. Absolutely. So, and here we go, here we have like, apart from Jim Morrison and another, some other heroes from, World Dane's heroes were also. Uh, Paul Simon, uh, yeah, well. and it's funny because yeah, what you what you just said. I mean, it's absolutely true. They made it their own. The Disturbed cover is is great that they kind of recreated the song with a kind of metal background. But what Nevermore did was turned it into a Nevermore song, and it could not have fit any better. I mean, it if you didn't know if it wasn't a cover, you would not know that it was not a Nevermore song because right down to the lyrics, it touches on all of those things that World sings yeah. about anyway, yeah. you know? I mean, Hello, it, darkness, my old friend. I mean, it, 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 that could have been spoken by him first, you know? I mean... Absolutely. Insignificant uh, am I. Insignificant am I, yeah. The, the, um, I think the, the urge of the artist, to, he wants to say something, but uh, on the other hand, he, he says, well, I'm... I'm doing this commentary and I'm putting it, putting it into beautiful lyrics or a nice shape, a nice song, whatever. But 
well, I think insignificant am I was more not uh, he he was not thinking of him as an artist of but more as of him as a human being or like all of us as human beings we are totally insignificant to whatever like to for yeah yeah that was dead heart in a dead world yeah and now i i recall when um enemies of reality came out um and they released the first single which was the opening song and i remember hearing it and uh, of course i was streaming it from the internet back in the 2004 so or 2003 2004 dario what 2003 okay so 2003 internet um back when you had like dial up connections and <laughs> something like a wi-fi uh, no there was no wi-fi but there was like an ethernet connection i think to the computer at my the office i was working in so i i waited for the song to load and then you know it started to play and i was like kind of sneaking listening to it because i was in the office of the company i worked for and like had the headphones on and it was like watching the little window play through and i was like wow they really uploaded a, a low resolution like sounding file for this song and then when the album came out i realized it wasn't a low resolution that the the sound was like compared to dead heart in a dead world was really muddy and like strangely not lifeless but somehow the original mix um was there there, there was some controversy about it and they they did re-release it um with an Andy Sneap mix and the Andy Sneap one is is better and you hear stuff that you didn't hear in the other one and 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 I remember hearing that for the first time and thinking, ah, what a bummer. And also, it made me feel like the album was not as strong then as the one prior because... Oh, wow. But but in the end, it, it was. it was It's a great yeah. album. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of great songs like written down here that I would love to talk about. But um, first, like, yeah, the, sec- the second song is Ambivalent. And this uh, ambivalence is like, perfectly shown in the opening uh, lyrics, we are the enemies of reality. And then later, the last two songs, there is no stronger drug than reality. Hmm. So uh, it's kind of paradoxical, but then again, it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And yeah, what, Waldane also was certainly he was not only a poet he was a voyager right i voyager and there he also said what he's doing actually in observation i analyze all the aspects of humanity that i despise so that's like clearly stated what he's doing what all the time <laughs> little fun fact about the lyrics, uh, if I'm not mistaken and my memory serves me well, um, Worrell was talking to a magazine at the time about what the album was going to be like. And I thought, I think if I remember correctly, it was Enemies of Reality. And he mentioned a song like, oh, we have one song called When the Rats Went to War. And I remember that like, wow, what a strong image that is. But then that never appeared on the album. But then later, on a solo, first solo record, yes. there was a song with this lyric, or this even maybe this title, yeah. When the Rats Went to yeah. War. So I was like, I wonder if that was a leftover lyrical concept, because maybe that didn't fit to this sort of concept of reality, you know, that he was maybe dealing with with that album. I'm not sure, but I remember specifically that it came earlier that he mentioned it in a magazine interview but then it wasn't actually on that album and then appeared later this, that's interesting yeah, yeah i don't don't quote me on when it was but i think it was for <laughs> enemies of reality yeah musically speaking on enemies of reality uh there's two songs that um i particularly like and they are like foreshadowing of what was to come with this godless endeavor with two little bit similar songs and that is the kind of power ballads i'm a sucker for beautiful melody i have to admit that so tomorrow turned into yesterday and who decides there's just so strong and uh, 
Yeah. It's, and then again, you have those really fast and technical and aggressive songs. And then this strange thing, Numenon, in the middle. It's like, yeah, it's a great album. But for me, this Godless Endeavor is the best one. It's my personal favorite. Okay. <laughs> I have to admit, it's from, from start to finish, I listened to it so many times. I think I think um that this godless endeavor is maybe the one of their most complicated and proggy difficult albums <laughs> to listen to yeah because of maybe because they had the testament guitarist they had Steve Smith join as like a second guitar player but as a full member of the band and not just as a tour I remember that and he was writing the album with them in the studio with Jeff Loomis and I think you feel that in this record there's like it's so complex yeah all the guitar parts and like the song structures and I mean the last track of the song to me is like the greatest nevermore album uh, song ever the title track the this title godless, track this yeah. godless endeavor absolutely I have yeah. to admit it's it's just so huge it's 10 or 12 minutes yeah it's it has an apocalyptic scope and it's the 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 lyrics are going he's going crazy with both his lyrics and his voice and the music is spiraling out of control while still uh having control all the time but it's it's really madness i'm just getting chills <laughs> thinking about yeah, the song yeah. and the way that it ends when it comes out of that thing yeah. and it goes for the last few refrains and it the says sky it's opened. open i mean this is like <laughs> holy shit what's coming down now yeah i mean and then the song <laughs> and then it ends and it's like well yeah wow seriously this is yeah, but to, to count, such a to, great album to, to counterbalance that we have as I mentioned earlier, those two power ballads, Sentient <laughs> Six and Sell My Heart for Stones. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I actually, I think this album took me longer to get into than some of the other ones. Like, I don't think I was like out of a Nevermore phase, but I remember because it was so complicated, uh, very well I was like, whoa, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. But then once, once you like embrace it and understand it, then it, then yeah, it easily becomes your favorite Nevermore album because it's so rich and so much detail and yeah, you can say more about the lyrics because you're the lyric guy. But uh, <laughs> I actually had have just one quote from from the opening track "Born" because I found it particularly interesting. It's it's the chorus born we are the same within the silence indifference be thy name torn we walk alone we sleep in silent shades the grandeur fades the meaning never known if nothing in the world can change our children will inherit nothing <laughs> yeah very real that that that's what I find so striking about them they're they're so like really rich in, in, in their the use of language but also at times so fucking bleak and just and and the scary thing about it about all those fucked up and bleak things the scary thing about them is that they are they ring true and they feel real and yeah. they are real and I mean the album cover with the child <laughs> in front of the impaled skulls. I mean, and then the the mention of the children watching him in the end, you know, in the last song and the title track, and he said yeah. the children are like watching me in the trees or something. I mean, like he always talks about children, you know, and it's, I mean, that's kind of creepy in general from a, like a horror film, like kids are the scariest, but also I feel like it's sort of like you know him seeing what we're leaving to our ne the next generation absolutely that that that's uh, what shines through also with um, yeah optimist or pessimist and all those things and and sanctuary uh, future uh, tense yeah we, we got one nevermore album left the obsidian conspiracy we, i'm just going to i'm just skipping the solo, solo album that came in between there but I, I just want to finish the Nevermore chapter. I liked it, but it couldn't really hold that huge, that, that 
insanely high bar they set with this godless yeah. endeavor. <clears throat> but on the other hand, I uh, I I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it like came back. There are a couple of tracks that was kind of like maybe a little weaker here, you know, like just <laughs> yeah, like like little yeah. moments where it's like yeah. this could be a little bit stronger. But in some, it it's a like a solid album. You know, Absolutely. it's much simpler than the one before, but it kind of gives throws back to the enemies of reality, dead heart in a dead world kind of era. I think you got a favorite song there. Oh, <laughs> for me, for me, it was from from I think from the first listen, uh, it was the Blue Marble and the New Soul. It's also like a, like a softer track. Yeah, but I just love those those harmonic changes they were doing there. Um, and it's it's a really heartfelt song as well. Yeah, this was a great last Nevermore record. I mean, you can't I yeah. can't really ask for more. I mean, um, if they would have ended with the Godless Endeavor, it would also have been amazing, <laughs> but, especially with those final lyrics. Yeah. But the fact that they they did get back together for an album shows that whatever was going on internally with the band or with him, they still cranked out an excellent album. By by yeah. by any standard, yeah. you know. And with this album, I also finally got to see them live on the Power of Metal tour in 2011 with Symphony X and Psychotic Walls. Nice. Yeah, that was also a package. Like a great package. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Warl Dane. What's left is his solo album from 2008, Praises to the War Machine. Excellent. There we have the war theme again. And I'd like to say a little thing about this. The first time I heard it. Um, that at first the production quality and the general guitarness of the album i at first wasn't sure about because i was so used to this like complex thick um nevermore thing and then when that starts it's relatively simple yeah in comparison yeah but it really lets world shine because it's like all about like those lyrics and and then the hooks and melodies and that works better as like not this like it's not like the craziest mental side of nevermore it's more like the songs can breathe they have life they're like yeah absolutely and um a good song doesn't need uh thousand detours and and wankery um I think yeah he 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 was definitely showing his uh songwriting skills there as well like um a simple song can be so effectful yeah like brother absolutely that was I think the lead single as well and rightfully chosen yeah and super personal you know because it was about his brother and yeah. I mean he like says stuff in those lyrics that Wow, how private I, and... I was watching the video last night in, in uh, okay. preparation for the show and I was... Uh, because I didn't listen to the album for... I haven't listened to it for a long time. Yeah, I listened to it in the in the car this weekend in, in its entirety and it's it just like... As soon as it came on, I was like pumping yeah. fists, like so yeah. good, so good. Yeah. One last band album in 2014, The Return of Sanctuary, The Year the Sun Died. Yeah. Tell me about it, Randy. I, 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 even back then, I wanted to get into it, but I never really made the time, I have to admit. So 14-year-old Randy loved Sanctuary. So when, when, when they announced that Sanctuary was coming back and I knew that Nevermore was kind of not happening, I was super excited. <clears throat> and then the album came out and I must have purchased it and then never really listened to it. And then kind of forgot about it because I was kind of like, I heard it and I was like, okay, yeah, it sounds like Sanctuary. It's like picking up where they left off with a more modern production. But at that time in my life, I was it and, like... And, and sorry for interrupting you. And I think also not as high pitched screams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the first track or two, there's like the, the, like the, you know, as a backing vocal to his main voice, there's the the high pitch whirl, but it's it's still a bit lower than the old days. Yeah. But then I so. kind of I kinda I guess I kind of shelved it and like thought, well, I'll come back to it when I'm ready to hear this kind of metal again. Because I guess that was when did it come out? 2014? Yes. So about 20 years after I was listening to 
the the second sanctuary record. So I had changed <laughs> and sanctuary was still kind of the same. So yeah. I left it. And then at one point I I kind of wanted to like really check it out because I was reading about it or something. And I think this was before he passed away. And I went out and I bought it. And then I realized I had already bought it. <laughs> so I now have two copies of the, the CD. Yeah. And uh and then I got into it, and then unfortunately he passed away uh, before you know before we knew it. It came rather suddenly, and um, it's a yeah. shame. The, the album is solid. I mean, it's a fantastic metal record. I mean, there's you can't vocally. It's great. I mean, the lyrics are. I mean, I don't read too much into the lyrics, but. They're just as powerful as as ever. As ever, yes. And the music is is quite nicely not Nevermore. It's Sanctuary. So you you have those those twin guitar leads that they they always have, and and these sort of like melodies that you kind of remember from the eighties, nineties metal, but then a sort of modern production. So it's it's a terrific album. I definitely recommend you go back and and check it out and put on your like your 80s <laughs> denim vest, you know, to like get into that, like that phase. But it's no prog album. It's not anywhere near as proggy as, as Nevermore, but uh, worth it. Last stop, Shadow Work. This I would compare a little bit to um, this Godless Endeavor because when it came out, of course, I anticipated because this was, you know, less than a year after he passed away. And for me, it, it didn't, it did, I didn't connect with it the same way that I didn't connect with this Godless Endeavor at first because it was so complex and it also sounded really a lot like Nevermore. And so I kind of, my first knee jerk, shitty response to the album was kind of like, here was the band that was going to go tour with him and play the Nevermore songs. And mm -hmm. now they're writing an album that very much sounds like a Nevermore record, but but also with some more power metal, neoclassical feels here and there. So yeah. once again, like like we do because we're human, you, you kind of like listen to it with the wrong ears. You go into it thinking it's going to be something else. And I did that with the first record, the first solo record, because it was like, oh, this doesn't sound like Nevermore. I don't know that I like it as much. And then he puts out what it sounds like Nevermore. And I'm like, oh, it sounds like Nevermore. I don't know if I'm going to like it that much, <laughs> you know, but then I, you know, I, I kept throwing it on because I had it. Uh, and, and, and by now I think it's fantastic. I listened to it once um, last week when I came up with the idea of doing this special and I was kind of blown away because I didn't expect it to be as powerful and also complex and a lot of different things going on. And yeah, I will definitely go back to it more times. Yeah, to, if mother to, is the word of God, I think it's the name deeper. of the last yeah, song. Delve deeper, yeah, it's the last song. Which is just like... And it leaves you speechless like this godless endeavor. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, now we've been talking for an hour again, I think. <laughs> it's it, it it's Warldane. It was his legacy. And uh, we were kind of just, yeah, exchanging our memories and... I've got two really, really fitting quotes for the end. This is the end, Jim ah, Morrison. That, yeah. That would be really appropriate <laughs> here, wouldn't it? No. From this godless endeavor, my acid words, the second track, 2005. When I'm dead, will you remember all the things I've tried to say? This cancer inside of me destroying my life when I rot in the ground, will you care? The sands of time are pointless in a useless, ugly world. Nothing brings peace of mind. I leave nothing behind if my words are left unheard. Hmm. And I think it's, it's safe to say that his words 
were being heard and they are still being heard, right? Absolutely. And the second one is way back from the Sanctuary record, the second one. Into the Mirror Black. It's from the song Epitaph. Time is an illusion, death is not conclusion. All those who seek the truth with questions still remaining. Now listen closely and all will be so clear. I am a messenger, a bringer of light from the other side. So chosen now to teach while drifting between lives. Drifting, drifting, I will be reborn. <laughs> so I thought... Chills. They were kind of fitting. And um, yeah, it's been great to commemorate on this great artist's yeah, legacy. We lost a year and one month ago. So, But his music will continue. It will live yeah. on and we will continue to listen and uh, it will help brighten our lives. Absolutely. Here's, here's to Warl Dane and Warl, your words are definitely not left unheard. I can assure you of that. Great. Thanks, Dario. See you guys next time. We are the Prague cast. Freaks out. If you want to hear a playlist of the songs we talked about in today's episode, head over to Spotify and search for the Prague Spaces playlist for the Prague cast episode three. The Freaks TV Prague cast is a production of Stuis Media and is recorded at the Moonbase Studios in Munich. Produced by Janine Stengel, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, Dario Albrecht, and myself, Randy M. Salo. Our theme music is provided by This Is Not An Elephant. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Freaks out.